A reading from the 20th chapter of Acts, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In the news, there seems to be a lot of conflict over books, and this uh, fall we are doing a series on children's books, and the messages that they talk about, and then what the scripture has to say about those same topics. And uh, it seems that the children's books are the ones that that people are most uh, uh, in conflict over. People are divided over how sexuality is portrayed or not portrayed, about religion or that lack thereof, racism or anti-racism. Over the years, there have been many books that, that people have even uh, tried to ban. Dr. Seuss's Hop on Pop because of its violence. There's James and the Giant Peach, which uses another word for a donkey. And Charlotte's Web, because Charlotte dies in the end. And in China, it's Winnie the Pooh that's banned because he looks like communist leader Xi Jinping. <laughs> so many books have been banned, but, but all, of all the books that we look at to, that we've just talked about, there is one book that has been called the most divisive children's book of all. And yet it doesn't talk about any of those kinds of, of things that we think about as controversial topics. It talks about giving. So how can giving be so controversial? Well, let's just take a look at the book. The book is The Giving Tree. And, and, and by the way, I happen to have this book because somebody was giving and put out a little free library in the park near uh, my house. And I happened to, to walk by there and look in there. And, and here was this book that I borrowed. So if you're not familiar with the book, or even if you are, here's how it starts. Once there was a tree, and she loved a little boy. And the boy loved the tree very much. And the tree was happy. Now, the, the little boy, he plays under the tree, he climbs the tree, he picks apples from the tree, and they have a good time. And the tree is happy. But then he grows up. And as he grows up, he has different interests. And he asks the tree if the tree will, will give him what he wants, and that is he wants some money. The tree says it doesn't have any money, but it does have apples that he can sell and get some money. Because he thinks if he has money, he can buy things and have fun. Tree's happy. The book says so. After giving her apples away, the tree is happy. Later, the boy returns. He's a little older. He wants to build a house so he can have a family. And the tree gives him her branches so he can build the house and says the tree was happy. Years later, the boy, now an older man, comes back again. The tree says, Come and play. But he says he's too old and too sad to play. He just wants a boat so he can go far, far away. And the tree gives him her trunk 
so he can build a boat and sail away. And finally, the boy comes back as a very old man. And the tree, now just a stump, tells him that she has nothing left to give. But the boy says, I don't need very much now. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I'm very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down. Sit down and rest. And the boy did. And the tree was happy. The end. Over eight and a half million copies of that book had been sold. It was voted number three in the National Education Association's Teachers Top 100 poll. So some people love the book, but others don't. They hate it and even have, have tried to have it banned. Now, part of the conflict comes from differences of opinion about what it's all about. What is the message of the giving tree? What's the moral of the story? Some say it's a book about sexism, about how greedy men exploit women. Others have said it's about how material things interfere with friendships. Or it's an allegory about what happens when we don't take care of the environment. Still, others claim it's a warning to women to not give up too much of themselves for the sake of their children. And one commentator even said it's a message about the evils of socialism that produces man-childs who expect someone else to give them everything without doing anything for it. So these differing views of the message have led to a lot of parodies, a lot of poking fun at the book, even more parodies than there are for Goodnight Moon that we talked about last week. So there, one of them is The Taking Tree by Shrill Travesty. In this book, the kid's a loser from the start. And the tree hates the kid, and the kid abuses the tree, eventually using its branches to build a house which he burns down for the insurance money. <laughs> the boy goes to prison. When he gets out of the prison, he becomes a logger. And he cuts down the tree, and the tree falls on him and kills him. <laughs> In another parody with the same title, The Taking Tree, this one by Dan Ewan, the boy plants the tree but it's the tree who is demanding and abuses the boy. The tree demands water and fertilizer and pesticides and his, the boy's constant attention. The boy could have no other friends. All he could do is take care of the tree. And the tree also is physically abusive, pelting him with apples and busting up his house. And finally, the boy, now an old man, pays the neighborhood kids to cut the tree down and he pees on it. And he was happy, the book says. <laughs> See, in these parodies, happiness is found in revenge. Happiness is found in, in looking out for yourself. Happiness is found in taking. Well, there is one parody that has a, uh, a pretty good uh, message. This one is called The Tree Who Set Healthy Boundaries by Topher Payne. And it starts out the, the very same way that The Giving Tree does, but then when, when the boy starts making demands of the tree, the tree says no and sets healthy boundaries. And the boy responds with renewed love and devotion, and together they form a partnership, and they have a bakery making apple pies that goes on for generations. 
And Payne says he wrote that to fix the message of the giving tree. Now, Payne's story is pretty good, but, but what makes people react so strongly to the giving tree that they have to fix it or make fun of it? I think it's because deep down, people have trouble with its basic message. The tree gave and was happy. Regardless of what a schmuck the boy was, the tree gave and was happy. And that's a message that our world can't stand. We're supposed to look out for number one. We're supposed to ask, what's in it for me? We are supposed to assert our rights, demand our due, and never give anyone an opportunity to take advantage of us. From childhood on up, the unwritten lesson of the world it is, is it's more blessed to get than to give. But Jesus says just the opposite. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And even though Jesus says it, we have a hard time believing it, don't we? So when we read a book like The Giving Tree, where in many ways the tree appears to behave like Jesus and give unconditional love, we say, that can't be the message. This can't be a story about God's sacrificial love through Jesus Christ. In fact, I read a Christian author weighing in on this book who said it can't be viewed as an allegory for, for God's love and mercy because, quote, the idea of God being used and reduced to a powerless stump does not align with a Christian perspective of God's love and mercy. What? What Bible is this guy reading? What part of the cross does he not understand? Jesus is literally nailed to a dead tree until he is as dead as the tree. Jesus gave his all for us, us selfish, greedy children. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, says the Bible. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. Remember Philippians chapter 2? talks about Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Emptied himself form of a slave, humbled himself, even death on a cross. That's the kind of giver Jesus was. In Isaiah's prophecy in, in chapter 53 about the coming Christ, he says, he was despised and rejected by humankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That sounds more like self-sacrifice, more like unconditional love 
more like a powerless stump than we like to admit. Jesus did not save the world by exploiting his power as God. He saved the world by humiliating himself, humbling himself as a human being. He didn't save the world by taking. He saved the world by giving his body and blood until he was as lifeless as a tree stump. Jesus gave his all for us, loving us unconditionally, just like the giving tree. And it's the message the world has trouble hearing. It's a message we have trouble hearing, especially when we're invited to follow in his footsteps. First John says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. And later it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We love because he first loved us. Loving others, giving sacrificially as Jesus did is strangely a way to be blessed a way to happiness. In fact, it's even a way to meet Jesus. In Matthew 25, Jesus says that when, when he returns in glory, he will welcome his flock saying, come you, blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, which has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's what he's going to say. And he's going to say, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will say, Jesus, when did we ever do any of that for you? And he'll say, whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. One of the things about the giving tree that bothers people is that the boy takes advantage of the tree's generosity. But when you look at generosity as something that, that Christ gives you an opportunity to do, in fact, if you look at generosity as an opportunity to maybe even meet Jesus, then no one can rob you of that happiness, whether they are, are thankful or not. Whether they're like the boy, or, doesn't matter. It can't take your happiness away because you have the privilege of giving and giving to Jesus in that action. There was years ago, I was in my office and a fellow came in and he says, can you help me? I said, what's wrong? I don't have a job, he said. I've got no car. I don't even have a coat. I need some money. Can you help me? I said, uh, sure. So I got him a coat, and I drove him to the other town to where the, 
the social services office was, got him signed up for assistance, uh, took him out to lunch. We stopped by the grocery store, got groceries for him, and I spent most of the day with him, and I was driving him back to his place. He turned it to me, and he said, well, are you going to help me or not? <laughs> now, now, this is the part where, where the worldly piece in us gets indignant. <laughs> Why, you ungrateful jerk. <laughs> All I've done is help you. And I, and I could have felt that way. I could have felt crummy for the rest of the day dwelling on his behavior. But that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to say, you've spent this whole day with me, having an opportunity to show your love to me by what you've done. And it didn't depend on his response. Anything he said or did didn't depend on, on his gratitude. If he's just like the boy in the giving tree, that's okay. Because I had already been blessed with the opportunity to give and to give to Jesus through that day. His actions couldn't change that. You know, that's the thing about unconditional love. It's not conditional. So regardless of how someone else responds, giving is an encounter with Jesus who taught us saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, this week uh, I had an encounter with someone right here in this church that understands what Jesus is talking about there. I'll call him Jack. That's not his real name. Jack is a second grader. And Jack is what you might call a free-range child. Uh, he lives somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of this church. And you'll see him riding his bike around, uh, maybe with some of his friends or his cousin. Um, you never know where you're going to run into him. Uh, he, uh, I've been riding my bike to, to work uh, this summer, and he saw me driving in a car out uh, a few blocks away, and he stopped me and he says, What are you doing driving a car? Well, Jack also has a special fondness for this church uh, because in the heat of the summer, he'll stop in and we'll give him some cold water. Or he might get some of the donut holes that uh, are left over from after church. Or maybe he just wants to have somebody to talk to. And he'll, uh, he has lots of questions for Dan uh, <laughs> in the office there. So anyways, this last Wednesday, after our community meal, uh, Jack was out in the lobby. Now, he doesn't come to the community meal, uh, but there he was. And he was holding something in his fist, and he held it out to me. And he said, here. I said, what do you got there? He says, I want to give this. And I could see that it was a crumpled up $10 bill. I said, Oh, you, you keep that. I'm sure you can use it. You keep that. You know, I didn't want to take advantage of a kid, and I didn't know why he was giving it. And, and he said, no, I want to give this. 
And I said, well, do you want to help someone with it? We have this thing called Be the Hope here, where we help people around the world and, and here in Hastings. And, I mean, you, you could give this money to help somebody. And I, and I tried to explain to him what Be the Hope was all about. And he could care less. He was not interested in hearing what the church would do with his gift. He just wanted to give. Are you sure, I asked him? And he said, yes, and he reached out his hand again. And I said, okay, we'll put it in an envelope for Be the Hope. And as we did, his face just lit up. Now, I, I am sure that if you uh, asked him today what Be the Hope is, he couldn't tell you. And if you asked him if he trusted in the church to use his money correctly, or if he wanted a receipt for tax purposes, he wouldn't know what you were talking about. But this church means something to him, and he just wanted to give. And he was happy. Later I found out that that's just kind of the nature of who he is. He has a generous spirit, and he's always sharing with his little friends, and he doesn't care whether they are appropriately thankful, and he doesn't worry about whether he's giving more than they're giving to him. At his young age, he's already learned what Jesus means when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I hope that someday through the people of this church, Jack will learn about Jesus too. Now, I don't know if Jack has ever read this book, The Giving Tree. My guess is not. It's kind of gotten too controversial these days. I mean, what kind of lesson is it to teach children that there can be happiness found in sacrificial giving? But Jack doesn't need this book. He already knows it. I just hope he never forgets it. I hope we never forget it. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we confess that so often you are like the giving tree, giving your all to us, and we're like the little boy who thinks only of ourselves and thinks that getting is what's going to make us happy. Lord, our happiness is found in following you. You who gave your all for people like us who didn't deserve it. You loved us anyways, unconditionally, and you continue to love us. So Lord, help us to follow in your footsteps, to love others as you have loved us, because we love, because you first loved us. We ask this in your blessed name. Amen.